Hello, I'm Heat. And I'm Rocket Kid. And this is Ordinary Chaos. A podcast about ordinary life. Because you don't have to be famous to be interesting. What's normal for me might be unusual for me. Let's do this! Hello, Heat here today with the person next door, Laura Mappin. Laura is a person I met online, which is still feels funny to me to meet people online because when I was coming of age, that was dangerous, right? And kind of shady. And it's been a long time since that's been true, but still, I still have that, that little bit of weird feeling about saying, oh, I met this person online. Anyway, Laura loves pie, or at least she loves some very specific pie that was recently bestowed upon her. Tell me about that, Laura. Oh, pie. You know, I don't think I'm a pie, but this particular piece of pie, it was 102 degrees last night. And a neighbor, actually at about 10 o'clock at night, walked down the street and delivered a half of a very light, cold, strawberry cream pie. I'm not even sure what to call it. She's a great cook and she makes all sorts of unusual desserts and and all sorts of unusual foods. And she just showed up at 10 o'clock in the heat and gave us these pieces of pie. And it was lovely. It was so timely and so tasty. It was really, really (laughs) nice. That's fantastic. Not only great pie, but a great neighbor. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've never lived anywhere where I would have been comfortable. In fact, our door was even open when she showed up. Like, I've never lived anywhere that comfortable to have a neighbor come over and and be also bringing pie. And that I was like, oh, who is that? Instead of like, oh, who is that? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Excellent. I'm going to come live in your neighborhood. (laughs) Please do. So to kick us off here, Laura, what would your younger self be surprised about your present self? You know, as I think about that, I think my younger self would be really surprised at how circuitous my life has been to get me here. I expected all sorts of much straighter shots And I also didn't know where here exactly was, but I didn't expect it to have so many unusual twists and turns. I feel like that's true for many people. Mm. Like, I I feel like we tell kids, like, you make a plan and then you follow the plan. And what do you want to be when you grow up? And what do you want to do? And you go and you do it and then you get there. And I don't know anybody who's actually done that. (laughs) Yeah, you get there, but it doesn't feel like there. And you keep looking and you keep making choices. And then some things happen that you never foresaw. And then you're over there and you have to make a choice about something you never thought about. And it's just, it's uh, moving, working, relationships. It's all over the map. And I don't know, maybe it wasn't quite like this so much, you know, 50 years ago. That's possible, I guess. I don't know. I think there's some truth to it, but I think maybe the things that people would have talked about if they had talked about the details, it might not have registered for me given what I ended up having to work through. 
Like it might've been too specific and I might not have been able to relate to it. I don't know. I don't know either. It's kind of fun to think about sometimes. Mm. It's kind of exhausting to think about sometimes. (laughs) I also noticed I keep getting to the age where I used to think people at that age had all their ducks in a row. Mm. (laughs) And I don't even have all my ducks, much less have them in a row. Oh, was I supposed to have ducks? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I really thought the world was pretty different. And I, I don't think I was so prepared to even see how the world was. So as I was living through various different things, like, you know, various jobs and seeing how the companies worked and what the forces were that I was playing in, I think there was so much going on around me that I didn't understand at all. And then at some point, you know, I get hit over the head by something. It's like, oh, that's how it works. Okay. (laughs) It's like, you know, the way the world works is like, I don't know. I don't know if there is a way to like have a better perspective on it. You know, I do know someone who I think had a much more open childhood than and growing up experience, like a more honest one. Like I remember having conversations with her to tell that she had a different, a fuller perspective of things. But even then, there's nothing, there's nothing that substitutes for living through stuff. And we're all so different. So we live through this one thing and one person does fine. Another person loses it. Go through another thing and it's the opposite. And there's so many variations on that. So, yeah. Hmm. So maybe my thing isn't all that revealing. Maybe everybody thinks that. I don't think I've had this conversation with anybody, though. So (laughs) you're welcome. So in all the circuitousness, I'm sure there's been ample bad advice. Has there been any bad advice that you didn't take and you're glad you didn't take it? Mm. One really big one. So I had a career in tech and then I knew I needed to leave because it wasn't a good fit and it got worse and worse as I stayed. And a time finally came where I left and I was trying to figure out what to do next. And I ended up doing art that Well, I kept asking myself, what do I care about? What do I care about? And I care about talking about things that we don't talk about. Like of all the things that I saw in my life and the the reasons why tech didn't work for me, it felt like there was so much going on that no one could talk about. And I couldn't understand why that was. There were, I mean, I hardly could talk to anybody at work about it. You know, I didn't really, I worked so much that I didn't really have friends to talk about it. And when I left the career, I, that's all I could think about was like all those things that we weren't talking about. And so I started doing art about all those things. And I would pick one that was moving me at the moment. I would do some art about that, like body image or sex or mental health. And I would just keep doing one after the other. And I was in the Bay Area where everyone's an entrepreneur. And one of the major pieces of advice that everyone gives everyone, no matter what you say, is that you focus on one idea, focus on one product, focus on one thing, one type of customer, and don't spread yourself too thin. That's a big danger thing. And everyone's telling me that. And I'm going like, it's not working. It's not working. I don't feel driven to do a hundred pieces about body image or mental health, but I'm driven to do this next thing that, you know, that we can't talk about. And finally, after five years, even though I heard this advice so many times, I was like, no, stop 
I couldn't ignore people very well. I always had to have some answer to them, like, stop talking to me, <laughs> which doesn't make <laughs> Ah, help me, you know, hear me. Can you like reflect back to me what you're seeing besides seeing me do something wrong that I'm telling you doesn't fit? I discovered after about five years when I had all this art across all these different topics that my one thing that I was focusing on was taboo subjects. That was the one thing. And as I started pursuing that with the one or two or three topics, I couldn't see it what it was. And people were giving me that advice. And if I had taken it, I would have stopped right then and there. And I would have totally stopped because I didn't want to keep doing that sort of art. I wanted to do other sort of art because I wanted to bring attention to all these other pieces, all these other topics. So that was a big piece of advice that people just like to give out of hand without really talking to me. And if I had done that, I would not have built the online museum that I've built. I wouldn't have the perspective that I have. Like right now, I'm connecting with other people and organizations that are doing something similar, like the Sick Festival in Britain. I'm not sure I totally have the whole thing, but and I haven't been there yet because I just discovered it a little bit before COVID. But I think it's kind of like they set up something that looks like a farmer's market with all these different booths that have to do with like one has to do with suicide. Another one has to do with sex. Another one has to do with body image. Another one has to do with trying to decide if you have kids or not and all the different issues about the pressures to have kids or to pressures to not have kids or all, all those sorts of forces. So to, to make it in the playful or comfortable format of a, like a farmer's market, that was a lot in line of what I was trying to do was make it inviting to talk about all these different subjects. Only for those who are interested. I'm not trying to twist anybody's arm. But so many of us, I think, for me for sure, and I have met quite a few people who are relieved to find someone who can talk about some topic. So that's what the website that I've created about the Taboo Museum is a place where everyone can go and find someone to talk about whatever their topic is that they feel they can't find anyone else to talk about. That's amazing. Truly. Because there are so many things that are so much worse because we can't or shouldn't or aren't supposed to talk about them. And they would be so much easier to bear if we could just have conversations. You know, I'm probably not ready to talk about this in detail, but I'll tell you one of the, one of the things happened. So I'm 62 now. I was probably in my 30s when I was really struggling with a particular decision that I wanted to make, but it felt very, very bad. And for the next two years, I didn't make the decision or five years. I don't really remember how long it took, but it was a long, it was years. I would mention it to people. Oh, I'm struggling with this and I'm thinking of doing that. And they would all say, oh, no one does that. And I'm like, ah, like I'm in, under such stress in this situation that no one does that. I was like, oh no, what am I going to do? They wouldn't say no one does that, but you could do this. I mean, we couldn't have that conversation. It was just like, no one does that. And end of conversation. And after several years, I was so bothered, feeling like I didn't have any options, feeling like I was still in this stressed place, that I went ahead and did the thing. And then I mentioned to people that I had done this, and they all said, oh yeah, my sister did that, and this is how it worked for her. Oh, my mom did that. Oh, you know what? I have a friend who just did that, and it's like this. And I learned like about 10 different scenarios. I couldn't have that information before I chose, but once I chose, everyone could tell me their story. I was like, are you kidding? Really? 
okay, if that's the case, then I want to free up everyone to go where they think they need to go, get the information they need. That was another big driver to have the website. Because if people can't talk about it until someone else has done it, then okay, let's find all these people who've done it so that everyone else is freer to figure out if they want to do it, you know, whatever the issue is. I, I just couldn't believe that. Like as I kept mentioning it, everyone's at ease, you know, whereas when I say I'm thinking of doing it, they're like all like scared. Anyway, that was a big motivation for me to work in that area. But that was probably 20 years before I actually started to do that exploration. Are you willing to share the website with our listeners? Sure. I know it definitely needs a revamping and it's been about seven years since I've worked on it and the new one is in work. I definitely took a break for various reasons, but it's OurTabooMuseum.com. Great. I'm going to check it out. So still in the, the vein of looking back and reflecting on things, did you get feedback from any person or situation that forever changed how you view yourself or your skills or your capabilities? I mean, I hear so many people say, I can't sing, my elementary school music teacher told me so. <sighs> and it doesn't have to be negative, positive or negative. You know, I was trying to write a book report in fifth grade and I they were usually pretty boring to write for me. And so I tried to spaz it up a bit. Is that the right word? Like, you know, add some... Spice it up? Spice it up. Thank you. Not spaz it up. Spice... <laughs> I was trying to spice it up a bit. And, you know, as a fifth grader, I think now I would describe it as like, I was trying to kind of like have fun with it and maybe even market the book a bit. Like, hey, read this one, you know, for this reason. And I didn't usually do that. I, I was pretty like, you know, good girl, follow the rules and everything. Like, I kind of want to try this. And I got a D minus and I can still remember the teacher and I can remember when I got the paper and I can remember sitting down at my desk and I probably cried and I was like, oh my. And I, I just totally shut down in a lot of different ways. And it was in my thirties and forties, I think that I started doing art and coming out. So that doesn't affect me so much anymore. It's like, that's, that's just such crap for whatever reason, lots of people are learning about their creativity and some of them haven't learned about it and are, and are still teachers. And some of them are great. I've had some great teachers. So every every person in, in any group is in their own level of figuring themselves out and you can get all sorts of good and bad and otherwise and supportive and unsupportive everywhere. And we all just kind of have to work our way through what we get. And the sooner we can get help to be more creative and get more support to be more creative, that. I think that's uh, that will serve us all, which isn't directly what the Taboo Museum is about, but it, it's a lot of it to kind of free us up to to be more ourselves. But there was there was another thing that I got that was in a different vein that comes up with your to your question is oh, about twenty years ago I was interviewing for my next job, and at that point I knew a number of people in my field, and I a number of them had said, "Hey, come and interview at our company." So. I went to this one company and I went to another company and I interviewed about the same time within a couple of days of each other. And then I got the feedback from the people I knew there, like how the interview went. And one of them, so it's, it's very much like the same days almost. Right. And the, this is why, and the feedback was kind of interesting because it was so close. The interviews are so close. One person said to me, well, 
we think you might be, um, I don't know, maybe a little too aggressive for this job, a little on the too assertive for, you know, for what we're looking for. And then the other one was, you know, you, you seem like you might be too meek for this job. <laughs> really like, you know what? So much of what people think of me is, has so much to do with who they are and not really so much about who I am. And it makes it a little hard to figure out, like, you know, am I being the person I want to be? But after a while, you just, you know, you get enough feedback from people you trust. You look at yourself well enough and that's the best you can do. And just don't rely on any feedback quite too much. (laughs) What else can I do with that? I don't know. That was crazy. That is crazy and hilarious. Yeah. Maddening. (laughs) And helpful. I mean, if it hadn't happened like that, if I had received either one, I probably would have taken it in more and gone, yes. I should be more assertive, you know, or hmm, I should temp- taper off a bit. And how do we ever know, really? I, I don't know. I think it was a good lesson. It is. Thank you for sharing it. So through all this, what superpower have you developed? You know, you probably heard that thing of, you know, your your biggest strength is probably your biggest weakness. So there's always different sides to this. And anything that I think of, I always see the other side to it. And I'll just throw it out there because I don't really know how else to answer your question. Because <laughs> there isn't anything that is just a solid superpower with no downside. And I can tell you the downsides of this, but it's probably what I would call a superpower too. I would say... I tend to persevere a long time before giving up on something. And as I say that, there are a couple things I persevered that now I would say is too long and I wouldn't want to do that again. And then the next time I'm in a situation, you know, where I might be persevering, I go, oh, is it that situation or is it the other one that was good? I don't know. So I don't give up easily. That could be somebody's superpower. They give up easily and that gets them onto the next thing. I'm, I'm over in that other camp. It isn't even clear if, it, if I'm playing it as a superpower, it's going to be a superpower to me or a downside. But I have a lot of whatever it takes, desire, motivation, or I don't know, to stay for the long haul, whether it's career or a product or a relationship or, you know, some sort of puzzle that really means a lot to me. I'll, oh, bulldog it for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's something to be said for that in our greater culture of instant gratification. Mm. Mm. Unless someone is bulldogging like a video game or an online social media platform, I will get a thousand likes. I will get (laughs) it. that could be good too. You know, you know, it's all depends on what you want, where you want to go, what your why is. Yeah. Yeah. As you're, as you're moving through the world in our instant gratification society, (laughs) bulldogging your way through it. uh, What's one thing that you wish that people knew about you? And it could be people who like you run into at the grocery store and don't know, or people who you do know, but there's still a thing about you that you wish that they knew. 
I haven't really lived in one place and I don't, given that the internet's only been here for, I don't know, email since I remember what 90 or something was barely. And we didn't know if we had permission to use email on the company, our company email with our friends. And we didn't have individual email yet. And, you know, so I haven't had the ability to easily keep up with people. If I wanted to keep up with people, I would have had to do it with a phone. And then if I moved, you know, landlines, it was a lot harder. I can't believe I'm saying this, but yes. <laughs> I had punched cards in college. So <laughs> that's where that's where I'm coming from. And living the life that I lived, I didn't have the opportunity to really stay in touch with a lot of people. So what I have realized is um, that together with a lot of moving and making different friends at different places. I moved from state to state. I moved from town to town. I've probably had, I don't know, 40 addresses in my life. I did stay put pretty well when I was younger and going to school and all. So that was kind of nice to have that base. But then in my life itself, I've moved a lot. And so my friends didn't come with me and I didn't stay in touch with them and I didn't go back and visit places. So I've kind of gotten used to like most of the people I meet don't know much at all about me. So when you asked that question just now, I kind of flashed on that aspect that I, I know there's other people who have that and there's other people who have, I mean, there's other people just like me and there's other, I know a number of people who have grown up in the same place and they know everybody in town and it's really a different animal in a lot of ways. I, I can see the difference. Like my partner has lived all his life where we live. And he's done his business here and he knows everybody in town and he has lots of connections and lots of history. And I don't have that. I don't feel like I, I don't, sometimes I imagine how nice it could be, but it hasn't really affected my life. But your question is, what do I wish people knew about me? And it's funny because it's not really that they knew. It's not, I don't feel like I want them to know my history so much maybe because that's just impossible. I don't even consider that. What I would love for them to know, and there's no way for them to know, is that I'd really rather talk about the more real important stuff with each other than what I'm going to call chit-chat, but I don't mean it in a derogatory way because chit-chat is good when you only have 20 seconds. You know, it's good to like grease the wheel, the social interaction and all that. It's, it's fine. But what I've noticed having the Taboo Museum is that when people connect with me there, it's like, oh, you can talk about my pet taboo like that. Oh, now I can talk to you about this thing. And that's where I love to go. And so I can go there with strangers through the Taboo Museum. And a lot of my friends don't even know I do the museum. You know, so and they it doesn't it doesn't work like that. So. That's making me think. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's it is the world we live in. Like a lot of people can't talk about this stuff. And and it, there's good reason because they've been around people who can't talk about it. So how do we grow our comfort with that? I grow it by finding people, finding strangers who want to. And we do it. And then maybe little by little, you know, we have these slightly more deeper conversations with our neighbor or our brother or sister or whatever. And it just, it can grow that way rather than me trying to have it with people who don't want to have it. That makes sense. 
And even if you hadn't brought up the Taboo Museum, like as soon as you started to say that, I was like, oh, this is so consistent with what you've talked about so far today. Mm. Yeah. And I'm more and more seeing why I enjoy talking to you so much. Well, and in a lot of your writings, you hit these sorts of things. And I go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so is there a question that you want me to ask the next guest? And then I'm going to ask you what the last guest asked me to ask the next guest. Oh, wow. Oh, that's clever. Wow. Hmm. You know, I'm having one more thought that I want to add to our last thing. Yes, just, please. You know, as I've been reading the stuff I read and all the podcasts and all the neuroscience that's coming out, because I love just hearing what they're learning about the human brain and all, you know, they're talking about how we co-regulate each other. And as they talk on more and more, it's like they're, they're, they're coming up with studies that can really back up all the stuff that a lot of people who do serious introspection and meditation and all know that we are connected. We are not, we are all one, if you will. I don't know what phrases to use exactly, but we don't exist by ourselves. We don't exist on our own. So you talk about these subjects at a slightly deeper level and some much deeper. And I want to talk about everything we can't talk about. And so as we all do that, we all help each other build ourselves, know ourselves, go deeper. We can't do it alone. And when we're clamoring for that conversation about this thing and no one will talk about it, we're kind of stuck. And it isn't, it isn't solo activity. It's stuff we do have to do together. And I think we as a collective, we as a, you know, as a culture, as humans alive today, you know, are are trying to find our way in finding others that we can share that brain work with. I'm really appreciating that aspect of what's going on. It's good stuff. It is. Yeah. At least two of us think so. No, I've heard a few more people talk. So I know there's at least five of us. (laughs) (laughs) Set a goal to get it up to half a dozen. (laughs) Okay. So your question, you know, I, Oh boy. I hope, I don't know. It kind of seems like a mean question, but I don't mean it as a mean one. I'm really curious. What's the quickest way to know what somebody's about to get to know someone? What's the quickest way to like figure out if someone is someone you want to, so someone you could really relate to or really relate to deeply. How do you tell what someone's makeup is? That's a slightly different question. Something like that. What, what's the, sorry, I'm trying to get out. What is the quickest way to really find out what somebody's makeup is? Cool. I've got it. Next person on the list gets that one. The last person uh, was Shauna. We heard her episode in July. And her question for you, though she didn't know it was you, um, was about forks in the road of life, talking about how there were some that there's forks every day, in a sense, but that there are some in her life, major decision-making points that completely altered everything that came after. So is there one or more than one that you would want to share? Mm. Hmm. It's funny. At first I was thinking of, well, if it's a fork in the road, I must've spent a long time figuring it out. But there was a particular decision that I made pretty easily younger in my life 
earlier in my life. And I am still to this day so happy that I did. I love having the experience that I got. I was in my 20s and my partner wanted to do a nine month, a six, sorry, it was a six month bike ride. We live on our bikes, our bicycles for six months. And I loved bicycling. It's how we met. We met through bicycling at the company that we worked for. And he wanted to go. And I had no clue what that would be like, but he had already biked across the country. I was like, yes. I said, yes. We left our jobs and did this thing. And of course, I mean, we, we didn't end up together, although we did end up together for several years after that trip. But having that trip under my belt, I have so many memories of what we did, what I could do in a way that I never would have chosen that myself. And it turns out he was an excellent, excellent bike mechanic. And if I had tried to do that by myself, I had nowhere near the skills. I would have definitely had to practice and find some mentors to, I mean, yes, I could change a tire and, and fix a tire, but you know, when we were on the road and we were close, we were not Australia close to the outback. And so for days we wouldn't have services and me, I carry an extra of everything. So I would have had an extra bike on the back of my <laughs> my original bike break down sooner you know so we had <laughs> mishaps you know every plane flight we did broke an axle on the bike and he knew how to fix an axle he knew where to grease the bearings he knew when the bearings were bad he knew all that stuff and so I got a free mechanic and I I tried to go on a bike ride later in my life uh, and I was in my 30s and I think I put my front my front rack on my bike wrong. And I went over the handlebars and ended up in the hospital. And that happened about three months before I left for the bike trip. And I thought, I don't think I'm a good enough bike mechanic to go <laughs> by myself. <laughs> but going with him was excellent, even though we didn't end up together just to understand what I could do physically, be out in the sun, where could we camp, getting food, taking care of ourselves, where it's safe to camp all of that stuff. It was, follow, you know, reading the weather. I learned how to read the weather on that trip and I was reading it better than he was at times. I mean, it was great. It, it, I just learned so much like self, what's the word I want, that I could take care of myself in certain ways on that sort of thing. And it was so free. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. I think it gives me a certain kind of confidence these days that I don't think I would have had. Well, I'm glad that she asked that question. That was a, a fun thing to learn about you. Yeah, that, that was a fun question. And it doesn't have to be something that you struggle to make the decision. Right. You know? Yeah. It has been so much fun talking to you today. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you. Really good to talk with you, too. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fun ground we covered. <laughs> yes. Our editor is Heat G-Check, co-editor Rocket Kid, produced by Heat G-Check. To learn more about me, Heat, or more about this podcast, go to OrdinaryChaosPodcast.com. Sound design and recording by Keith Kelly. You can learn more about Keith and his work at www.KeithBKelly.com. Cobrain Storm by Rocket Kid and Cat Girl. Ordinary Chaos is an ad-free podcast. Because ads are annoying. To support the podcast, go to OrdinaryChaosPodcast.com. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.